So hi, Kevin, what was your first computer? My first computer was something before Windows existed. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah, and it, uh, it was, I connected it. The screen was uh, a cord to the television. Okay. And it, it was, it was really, and it had like, you know, memory of like a hundred K or something, you know, way, way, way less than the first Windows computer. Okay. But so, of course, what was it? Was it Commodore 64 or what was it? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was a Commodore. Okay. There was 64, yeah. obviously. Commodore 64K yeah. was 64K. Yeah. That's so, it. What you did with the computer, you remember? Um, what I used that for was um, to try to be able to work on my Navy work and be able to type stuff into it. Um, I worked on my Navy work involved a, I had to do it on a win in a early PC, which cost like $35,000 okay. <laughs> for like, for like having, you know, like having a half a meg of memory, mm -hmm. you had to pay 35,000 back then in the 1980s. Okay. And so I used it mostly as a, as a text editor, basically. And then I would transfer the files onto my early PC. Okay. So uh, back then, you st it was not a toy. So you used the C64 as a text editor, right? Yes, exactly. Navy, I didn't knew that. So what you did for the Navy back then? Um, well, my work, most of my career, it's been mathematical modeling and data analysis. And so for the Navy, I was sort of translating, I was translating some Fortran programs into an early version of basic. Okay. And, but then I was also, um, writing new programs in basic, mm -hmm. which of course is not really, um, valuable right now. Okay. Um, but how, how, how you learned programming? I mean, because back then you said, you know, PC was like $35,000. And you had the C64, and obviously you could program before. So how you learned Fortran or Visual Basic? So what was your way to programming or road to well, programming? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, when I was um, in college, mm -hmm. which was in the mid-70s, okay. my college had PDP-8 ah, okay. computers, mm -hmm. and I spent a whole lot of time in that computer lab making, you know, making either games or, or um, I made a a program that simulated landing on a planet using, you know, using the mathematical, you know, mathematical rules. So, so, and I so made, I now you could set it as a physics engine, you know, right? <laughs> yes. So you yes. did it uh, 40 years ago, right? No. Yeah. Well, no, no. In college, it was like 45. So, yeah. So you say mid 70s, so it should be 45 years, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I can remember, I, I, I used sine curves and cosine curves to, to create a landscape for which the, the, the capsule was supposed to land on. And if you, if you landed on it too tilted, yeah. <laughs> then you Okay. So um, it seems like you really like math, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. So uh, I, I, wait, how you I, math, I how or when your math love started? remember so how, how how you find out that math is actually really interesting when i was in college in the mid-70s i discovered that math is a very good way of describing nature the universe okay that you could do math you can you can you can sort of understand 
what the universe is. And okay. I, I was a physics major as well as an English major. And I just realized that you can do a lot with math. <laughs> you know, give it, me an example. So, I mean, I mean, you say this, it sounds, you know, interesting. Do you have an example? Well, um, a lot of stuff I've read, you know, and this is a problem for me that, you know, a lot of modern philosophy and stuff says that the universe is a machine. Mm -hmm. And from physics, I could see that you can describe the universe as a machine, but it's not actually a machine. That's, a, that's, you know, um, that's just, that's a, that's the only approach we can have to try to understand the universe. And, and my work with the Navy and the Air Force, we're trying to use equations mm -hmm. to, to try to sort of like save soldiers, for example, mm -hmm. by, by telling them, using mathematics to tell them what might happen an hour from now or a day from now. And um, if you, you can't really predict the future very well, but mathematics helps you do it a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. and like, like weather forecasting, they, they might get it right tomorrow, but, but they really don't get it right a week from now. So, so what I realized is that mathematics lets you analyze patterns from the past mm -hmm. and try to predict the future mm -hmm. in a way that might help someone. Exactly. I'm not a mathematician, but I was a, always ask myself, you know, that uh, what we do, we try you know, to understand the world by creating a model. And the model gets better and better, but uh, no one knows whether it's the right model, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what most of my work has been. You, you have a model, it worked in the past. Mm -hmm. When it stops, when it works less well in the future, you revise the model mm -hmm. to try to compensate for what happened um, where the old model didn't work. I mean, that's the same way physics works, right? So Isaac Newton had a great model for how the universe works. Mm -hmm. But then 300 years later, Albert Einstein said, well, Newton's model is good in some cases, mm -hmm. but it's not good in all cases. So mm -hmm. Einstein came up with new theories. So, so that's the models work, you know, until they sort of don't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, and that's why mathematics is so interesting because mathematics proves that. So what you said is that, uh, you try to find a mathematical equ equation by uh, no, trying to learn from the past and applying to future. It always sounds to me like machine learning, right? So if you have a model, which is more or less a past or existing stuff, existing data, and uh, what machine learning is, at the end of the day, the model is, a, is, a, is actually an equation, a complex one, but equation, uh, which uh, it becomes a computer program. And if you, if you give it new data, it tries to predict what happens with it. So this is more or less also the basis for for uh, AI and, and, and machine learning, right? Yeah, and, and that's, where, that's where the JVM is, is remarkable because, um, you know, languages like Python, C, C++, you know, they all, you compile them and that's it. Mm -hmm. But with the JVM, you have these just-in-time compilers that can optimize if they see that some section of code is suddenly being used a lot because of the change in incoming data, mm -hmm. they will, the JVM will optimize that code, which Python and C++, C++ can't do. So that's where Java and the JVM really stands out. Yeah. And uh, so 
Interesting. So you started with PDP-8. You learned programming, created your, your first in the world, probably physics engine <laughs> with your uh, with your uh, sinus curve lambda, right? This would be a great name for a game, sinus sinus uh, curve lambda, and um, yeah, yeah, and then you bought C sixty four as uh, to have basic you know text editing stuff. What happened then? Yes. So you still are you were you actually a soldier or how to, what, what is it? You work for US military or how it works? Um, what happened was that I it, it sort of was. I wasn't planning on it, but the it ended up being that I was I was um supporting my mother and my half siblings and I needed to make money and the job that I was able to get was working for the navy mm -hmm. with a company a contractor company. Okay. So so once that happened it just sort of kept happening for my entire life. Okay. That that was my work. And what, where was it was it in San Francisco or was the navy or uh, no, it was in New London, Connecticut, which okay. which had a navy. A sub, there's a submarine; they make submarines down there. So, so it started out there, and then uh, then it just kept going. I mean, like um, Bob Dylan was once asked, "Did you plan to be famous?" And his answer was, "I didn't plan anything; it just happened." Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of how it happened with me. I just ended up there. So, but and but, then, you, but you spent your entire career uh, at military, so writing programs for military indirectly, I would say, through consulting yeah. companies, right? Yeah, most of it. Um, yeah, and then and then since I was also an English major, after Java was invented and I wanted to make more money, I started editing and writing books related to Java. And, and that's, that's interesting. And that wait, wait a second. One question regarding the military stuff, because uh, interesting. Um, if you can answer, I don't know about NDAs or whatever. What was the most interesting project at Army, Navy, or w what you were involved in with programming? Or can, if you can talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, the, the work for the Navy was always, was mostly mathematically modeling stuff that was, you know, about sonar. Oh, with, okay. the, mm -hmm. with the Air Force, it was mostly making programs to that that we're receiving massive amounts of data mm -hmm. uh, from satellites mm -hmm. and trying to make uh, program that and make sort of like web screens that could be used by um, commanders okay. to tell their soldiers when if it was safe to proceed. Okay, that was you know whether okay. whether there communications or not. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing the other thing was. Uh, it was a lot of it was pattern recognition. So, so we had one satellite MSX uh, that that was all constantly scanning the surface of the Earth above China because mm -hmm. we were because we wanted to detect mm -hmm. if they launched a missile. Okay. <laughs> and if if you if if you launch a missile, then there's going to be a bright a bright light mm -hmm. in in the picture was it china or russia it was mostly china at that point, but, mm -hmm. but we were also um we were also you know studying um you know like afghanistan okay of course when during the under during, under the clinton years and and so the the whole thing was pattern recognition mm -hmm. machine was, learning again what, right so now, right now we could exactly. use machine learning actually uh -huh. uh, yes it's yes it's basically that yeah, this is a different different marketing term. And and 
let's say the Sonar stuff, you got the data and had to do something with it or, you know, the algorithm, algorithm was already done and you did some improvements. So was it like, you know, prior art what you did or was it more optimization of existing stuff? I cannot just... Well, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, well, well, basically what I was doing was implementing, um, implementing theories mm -hmm. from PhDs into programming because we wanted to make it um, so that you know, we wanted to, we, and, and the, and the, and the theorists were not really great programmers. So like I had one program where the, the theorist delivered it to me and it took 60 hours to run and I had to get it. The, the 60 hours doesn't help soldiers. So I had, my job was to <laughs> get it, um, you know, to, so that it would run in like less than two hours. So, so a lot of my job was to, to optimize. Mm -hmm that code and okay. and so that it could, would be useful to military commanders but this is actually great because you had to understand you know the phd and math and then translate the math to a running program exactly yeah yeah but the the, the, the math the, you know the phds did not they knew their science but they did not know programming yeah now question to you because uh, you, you love math so what i wonder myself is if i see program java program java code I can mostly tell what it does. So I can just read it, you know, a little bit of thinking as, okay, probably this and this happens. If I see a complicated math formula, it's not the case. So probably I could learn it, but if I just see in a book, you know, a, a crazy formula, I, I say, okay, this looks just strange to me. Um, can you read just math? If you, if you, if you look at a, at a formula in math, you know what happens inside or you need, you know, to input some data and, and experiment with it or... So what I'm interested in, it can be can can be math read in the same way as Java code. Um, well, I think that the you know the math, if you're not a PhD or whatever in in that area, you have to just trust it because you're you have to trust that they know that what they're saying you know is valid, and and all you can really do is that they don't they don't know programming at all, so. So you, what you need to do is understand programming languages, and um, for example, you know. So uh, let, let's give know. me an example. Let's say we have acceleration formula. I tell you, this is a formula is like you know a, a complex one, and it models acceleration on an let's say foreign planet or whatever. So um, now you can, if you look at the formula in math, will you know how it accelerates or how how the curve likes? You know, if you if you have a chart, how the chart will look like. Or you will need, you know, to to play a little bit more with that. So, what you no, know, you have immediate feeling what happens inside the formula, or you need some more investigation. Well, I think the the case is that is that um, they give you the formula, and sometimes they give you the formula in code. Sometimes they just give you the formula in the white paper, and and what you need to do, it, it's like it's real time is important to 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 try to make an application in real time, and to do that. You have to translate the formula into code that um, is efficient, mm -hmm. and and um, you know. So in the 1990s, I was working on. So this was this was your job the entire time, translating formula to to code, you know, Java code to code, right? This is what like. Yeah, not, interesting. Uh -huh. Not always Java, but sometimes. But yeah, sometimes not Java, C. but to 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 running Python, C, and whatever, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so there's a great job. So it means you you got you know formula from a mathematician or or an idea 
because I also what I can imagine that sometimes the formula you got was wrong, right? And you find out that actually it doesn't work because you know the uh, the the code was executed and you can prove that the formula doesn't work, right? Exactly, because that's that's kind of how nature and physics works. You 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 have a model, and then it works, and then something happens in nature, and the model fails to work. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the expert has to revise their model, and then you have to revise the code mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to, to include the new, mm -hmm. you know, that's what I mean by, that's what I mean by um, Einstein changed um, Newton's physics, because Einstein figured out that Newton's physics doesn't work in all cases. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so if you're, if you're, if you're helping these scientists create a model, or not create a model, but but do something that uses their model. When they realize their model is no longer working, then you have to change your code mm -hmm. to account for their their opinion of 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 how the model is better. Mm -hmm. uh, have you provided feedback to the scientists and say, look, what you you did it doesn't work. You have to revise it. Did it happen? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, were they happy or say, oh, no, impossible. My my formula is perfect. Most of most of the ones most of the PhDs I worked with were actually happy to hear that yeah. here's a case where your model doesn't work. So okay. can you work on and, and revise your model? And that's basically what happened. I mean, most of these people were nice people and they, I mean, there are some, you know, people yeah. with big ego, I mean, in, in science, you know, they think I know it's right. Yeah. Uh, you don't know what's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, I mean, this is yeah, like a dream job, what you did, right? So, because you got, you know, the, re the, the latest research and you could translate, this is actually fun, translate it, tr for me, it would be fun, translating theory to something executable. And uh, it was also, I would say, a really demanding job because you had to understand math and you, you, you should be able also to code, right? I mean, this is like unique skill. Yeah, I mean, it, I sort of fell into it. I was an uh, English uh, sure. and physics I planned to write great books, great novels, or something. But Harry but Potter, happened... right? This was a dream, Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. But, um, but I, it ended up happening, and I had great customers who wanted my work, and so I just kept working on it. And how how is it possible that you studied uh, you are English major and also uh, physics and math? You have physics, which basically includes math. Why that? I mean, why you did both? I started out being mostly scientific, physics and math. Yeah. Then I started reading literature. So okay. then I became English. And then at the end, I decided, well, why not do both? Yeah, yeah great. So. Actually, uh, great idea. So the, completely unplanned, but it's become becomes more and more interesting to you, to me. Um, what is the, you know, the, the book you read and influenced the decision. You still remember the book? You say, okay, this is the great book I have, you know, to change my strategy right now. I, I, which, are you talking about English or Yeah, or literature. You say you, um, you, you, you started to read, you, you were involved in the literature, and then you decided, you know, to, to study uh, English language. So oh, yeah. which books you liked the most back then? So just titles, I'm just interested in. I can give you authors easily. It was Shakespeare. Yeah. James Joyce and Dante, but the, but it's, it's expanded since then. Um, Joyce and Dante but, was like a uh, Dante was like a, uh, he was a what's it called a fighter. Uh, Dante Italian, yeah, yeah, like th the early 1300s, the Divine yeah. Comedy. 
Yeah. Dante, yeah. Joyce, and who did the first one you dropped? Shakespeare. Shakespeare, okay. Yeah, Shakespeare is, uh, of course. So you read Shakespeare? Yeah. At you, at you, oh, yeah, I, during, I had during, during physics, Macbeth and all the stuff during, during the physics study. Well, um, the, yeah, I just kept studying and, and like, um, I was, you know, studying Einstein and the quantum mechanics physicists. I mm -hmm. still go back and read, uh, um, Schrodinger's cat in the box, whether it's alive or not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. So, um, I, I love all of it. Interesting. So then you told me um, you, you you wanted to earn some money and you started to write Java books. Was it right? Yeah, I, I first started editing, editing and uh, technical editing, and then I wrote some articles, and um, then that sort of just kept going too. When was so, it? 1995, 1996? Uh, a little later than that, but not much later than was that. Was it for O'Reilly back then, or you started uh, for? Yeah, I worked for O'Reilly from 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 the beginning. Long. Or W R O X Rocks is that what yeah, the exactly. company is? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of work for them, and and then I worked was working with O'Reilly, and and somehow you, me, and you were in contact like thirteen years ago. Um, somehow I don't know how. Then you know, then I did Java.net was a was a huge uh, period of time for my work in that re in that regard. You don't remember how we met. Uh I don't may not. <laughs> it was uh oh because I remember exactly this uh how we met. You worked uh you recorded probably one of the first podcasts for java.net podcast. Uh. And you interviewed me at java.net booth at java1 at Sun Microsystems I, time. And okay, this was 2007. And uh what I did back then uh you asked me about my sessions and I think this was my, one of my first uh, java1 sessions in 2007 about heating control because I I hacked my heating and you wanted to know how I did it. And I explained to you to you and you really liked my explanation. And for me, for me it was very simple because my, my code was not complicated, but the impact was huge. You no, know, it was just if else and it and this was like primitive code what I did. So and we stayed in contact because of that. And uh, I just looked you up and you worked for O'Reilly back then and then I dropped in an email and this was basically so this is how we met. It was JavaNet podcast, one of the first podcasts at JavaNet booth at Java One. I'm pretty sure it was 2007. Now that you say that, I remember it. <laughs> yeah. And um, so now, what's interests me? How you got there? So you started at for, editing books for Vrox and for O'Reilly, and then somehow yeah. you you attended the Java One as an editor. Or what was your job there? Well, what happened was that. There was a period when I wanted to make more money, so I wrote a book. My wife and I wrote a book about MySpace, which is pretty old. Yeah. And then told O'Reilly that um, about that, and and they said, "Do you want to work for us?" Okay. So I did. <laughs> and and you work for them, and uh, the company is Lurie Technical System. Is it a company? Lura Technical System, I think, right? Right. Yeah, yeah that's me and my basically. <laughs> Okay. And uh, what you did at O'Reilly? Um, what I did at O'Reilly is at, at first I worked for, I wrote for them for AOL. Mm -hmm. the, and then I worked for them for Intel. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for them for... Um, but you worked for them, what, what you did for the companies? You, you created manuals or what was the work? So you... Yeah, it was basically blogging. 
Oh. And then I worked for them for BEA Systems. And I used to say a joke that every place I worked for, Oracle took over. Yeah. <laughs> like the sun. When you worked for BEA Systems, you remember that? Which year? That would have been... I don't know, maybe 2004, 2000. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, I was I was uh, elected uh, for no reasons to be a BA technical director, and maybe we met again yeah. because uh, because I did a lot of projects with BA back then, and somehow BA because of some ask question I ask or I don't know what I did, uh, but they asked me, would you like to become BA technical director? Okay, what what does it mean? Second, like, not a lot, but you are going to be invited to BA World Conference. It was in 2003, and I met, and this was like a you know, briefing before the conference with uh, lots of luminaries from Java.net space as well. So um, and maybe we met the first time there, uh, and uh, ex exactly. But what what I really remember is your name and conversation with you about the heating system because it was my first Java one, and uh, you wanted interview with me immediately, and I said okay, then we can talk about that. And it was a really nice time. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it, yeah. So I think um, yeah, we. We definitely were in contact earlier than we were in major contact. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> and okay, so you, so you blocked for uh, for O'Reilly, and I mean you blocked. Yeah. What it means? Um, I mean to block, you need some information. So you just studied Java and blocked about that, or what? Yeah, it was they. They had an established blog with Sun, mm -hmm. and. And it was like a series of projects where, where they wanted me to blog for BEA, then they wanted me to blog for Sun, okay. then they wanted me to blog for Intel, okay. and, and then Oracle took over Sun, so it just kept going. So what, what it means is that uh, there were engineers at Sun or BEA or whatever, they had they content their projects, and you look at the projects and blocked about the projects, right? This was a job back then. Yeah, like I would go out to, I mean, for example, for Intel, I would go out to Oregon, where you know, mm -hmm. at, to to talk to their, you know, to talk to their lead developers and and get ah, it, get mm -hmm. it, and and so so it was like I was basically interviewing people, then writing about it. Uh, do you remember a lady called Janice Heiss? Jen Heiss at Sun Micro? Yes, absolutely. She was one of my best friends. Yeah, she uh, uh, she was great. So uh, we also um, we, uh, she, she interviewed me, and I wrote some articles for her, and she was really really nice. Um, and uh, yes, uh, she also started at Sun, and then uh, at Oracle. Now she's retired. Yeah, yeah, she was one of my best friends for many many years. Mm -hmm. uh, interesting. So small world actually, right? So really small world. If you, if you think <laughs> yeah. about this, you know how many connections you you know, and and the people around is really really crazy. So yeah, what I didn't amazing. do, I, I thought you are working for Sun Microsystems, but you always work for O'Reilly, and you and you work indirectly. You spend your time at Java One, probably to produce some more content, the podcasts, which were in two thousand seven was crazy. I think this was one of the first podcasts ever. I would say. Yeah, I was a little. It was a little scary for me to like be doing podcasts because because it's you know my personality is sort of a little bit shy, but <laughs> um, but. But I did it, and yeah, that was yeah, that was that was new back then. Yeah, and did it. Uh, do you know that actually at the same time at Java One, that Tim uh, O'Reilly was actually a frequent guest at Java One, so always at the keynotes that Tim O'Reilly, the uh, I wonder who is CEO of O'Reilly probably or the owner of O'Reilly, he spent a lot of time on the on the stage of Java One, you know, talking with well, uh, Scott McNeely and the others. Well, you know, 
the O'Reilly is Tim O'Reilly is the yeah. founder. Yeah. So yeah. So I spoke with him and, and yeah, O'Reilly I I think they're still pretty major. I mean I still see them publishing a lot of books. I think on my uh, desk right now I have ten different O'Reilly books right now. And they're getting better and yep. better. And I still prefer paper because I spend you know, all my time on screen. So I like still the paper. And the covers are looking great right now because there are, like, you know, uh, the um, animals, they have some colorful touches, which was not true before. So now, you know, they're, they're, they rework a little bit the cover. So they look great and the, the quality is excellent. So um, I, I think 10 books is my on to-do list I have to, re to, to read right now. That's my problem. Uh, yeah, I probably have at least 10 of their books. Um, yeah, on my, on uh, my desk. In my basement, I have probably 100 of O'Reilly's book. You know, this is this is my my to do until you know January of 2021. But um, yeah, so nice nice to, to to chat with one of the editors, right? But I have I, I yeah. tell you one not that great experience with uh, O'Reilly. So I was I think I asked you about a book for O'Reilly or something, but it uh, I had no time back then. And one year later, I got a contract from O'Reilly to write a book. And by another editor, and he read my manuscript and I said, okay, this is not true. I said, this is true. No, it's not true. What you are writing, okay, but I would like to keep this way because it is true. And uh, then we had some, you know, conversations and then we canceled the contract because he said, okay, Java is no more that interesting. And, and it's okay. And then I published the book by myself and it was the best decision ever, I would say. So this was actually a lucky accident. And the cool story is the same, the same editor asked me, you know, a few years later, whether I would like to write a book for O'Reilly. So no, <laughs> no more with you. Um, and, um, and, but it's a personal, uh, personal, uh, what happens, uh, personal, I would say, uh, not problem, like a challenge. But, uh, uh, and uh, I self-published all my books because of that. So it was actually a lucky accident for me because uh, self-publishing is always good. And um, I hired some editors from US who actually uh, edited the books. And uh, I actually thought about you to hire you to edit my books, but I couldn't find, you know, the email. And, 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 and so this was like, uh, you know, otherwise you, you, I would, uh, you will be in contact five years ago or seven years ago and not, you know, 13 years ago. Okay. So you worked for O'Reilly and you spent some time at Java Ones. So you, you know how many Java Ones you attended? Well, at least six, maybe seven or eight. And are you actually a Java developer? I have written a lot of Java. Mm -hmm. um, I've probably written more C, C++, and Python, mm -hmm. um, but enough that, you know, I understand it enough. Uh, I understand Java and, and the JVM. I mean, I, my current interest actually is the JVM because you have all these other languages that mm -hmm. can produce bytecode like Scala mm -hmm. and Clojure. And it's like the JVM is an ingenious thing yeah. because, because it takes care of different operating systems, right? The, you can write code, you know, write, you know, write once, run anywhere, um, but you, you can create code. I mean, I could create the Kevin language. Yeah. And make it so that the JVM could use it. I mean, that's an ingenious thing to me compared with other languages like C, C++. You compile it and that's it. But the JVM... Yeah, but they already caught up. So there's like LLVM. So they have something similar at least. But what uh, I, of course, I'm also a very passionate Java developer, but the others have also something similar. But what's really interesting, I don't know whether you're aware of, you know GraalVM? You heard about that? Graal? Yeah. Yes. This is actually even more amazing that uh, not only it runs Java, 
You can run R, Python, interesting for you, uh, uh, R, Python, or JavaScript and combine it with Java in on one JVM and translate everything either to bytecode or you can uh, run it natively. So this is uh, even more exciting. So I used it in a view of my project. It was interesting. So um, you spent, so what happened after the all the Java ones? So uh, Sun was bought by Oracle. What happened with you? You spent time at the army again or? Well, um, uh, sorry. After... What, what's a really a pity that Java.net disappeared. So I, I mean, this Java.net was a really nice community. It was a, a nice content with contribution from the community. And it was even nice, you know, URL, java.net. So I really liked that. And it just disappeared. So this is what I didn't got. So the, the, the entire project disappeared. This is what I, what I uh, understand because, you know, GitHub and, and the others are available. But that the, you know, the, the, the as magazine, this java.net magazine disappeared. This is a little bit pity, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, uh, it's very surprising to me. Um, I mean, Fuji is sort of trying to become the new Java net and, and all of my blogs on, from Java net were available on the Oracle site. Mm -hmm. But once I started writing for Fuji, suddenly all my blogs from Java net were no longer available on Oracle's site. Okay. So I don't know. Um, it's like with Fuji, what we're trying to do is create a new Java net and okay. Geertron is getting that. And uh, we want to have, you know, people blogging. And um, so it's, I think Fuji is great. And, and the person who hired me from Azul, um, my job is to support Fuji, but also to, you know, to write blogs for their corporation. But uh, it's like Java net. I don't understand why Oracle didn't care about it, but it yeah. seems like well, they didn't. Yeah, what they did, they migrated it to code, uh, uh, the Oracle code. But what I what I uh, never got is, for instance, also they renamed you know, Java 1 to Code 1, which uh, for me, I, I mean, Java, I like Java, obviously, but Java is a huge brand. So if I were Oracle, so they could just do the Code 1, but I would keep you know, the Java brand. So they could have, you know, the Java 1, and C1, Python 1, or whatever ones they have, or, or Oracle Database 1, under the, uh, and under the hood of, or under the umbrella of Code 1. What we had at the Java 1 as well, we had a community day and whatever days we had, so there could be, you know, like uh, sub-conferences, but they just get rid of the brand, so which is a little bit pity, because from marketing perspective, I don't know, and the same is true with Java.net, that just to keep, you know, just the Java.net moving, so it was not like huge effort to provide some content, it would be Java-specific content, and uh, you know the other uh, the other stuff like you know Oracle databases or Oracle Cloud could be even on Java.net or somewhere else. So this is why I never got that. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it seems like they they so they started having Java one at the same time as Oracle World or whatever they called it. And, and but but they sort of felt like all that was really important for them was their own products. Yeah. Even though, even though they use Java. Yeah, but they so, did want. Yeah, but what, 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 what happened right now is that the uh, um, the I would say the the spirit of Sun Microsystems happens uh, elsewhere, right? So what what we have uh, is uh, uh, Azulu Systems, for instance. Yeah, they have their own uh, Zulu JDK, and they 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 have community around that. And you create Fuji, Microsoft. They they lots of you know, Java evangelists are working on Microsoft and Google and Amazon. So it seems like you know the Java community spread around the world, and now we have uh, you know support or content from everywhere. 
And so you mentioned Fuji. So what exactly is Fuji? Well, Fuji is, um, well, I know I see you have a meeting with Geertjian. Fuji, Geertjian calls it JavaNet 2.0. It's a site really? that... Really? Yes, yes. So interesting, yes. because this was like an accidental you know, idea, what you said. Yeah, I didn't knew that. So interesting, okay. Well, well, and, and it was like um, Azul hired Geertjian specifically to create um, Fuji. Uh, Friends of OpenJDK, and what it, it has blogs, but what it also has is ways for for developers to see what's in new new Java versions. Like you know, companies who have a major software built on Java eight, you know, are not going to want to suddenly move to Java fifteen mm -hmm. because it could be risky, and um, so it has all the information on what's new in each new version. You know, they're doing six months, every every six months there's a new version of Java. Um, what Fuji provides in addition to blogs is what's new in Java 15 versus Java 14 so that developers can look at that information and decide if, and, and CTOs, and decide if that, if they want to take the risk of moving to the next version. And and what Azul does is that security, their Azul with their Zulu, there's if there's a security update, they backport it mm -hmm. into their version of like Java eight. Mm -hmm. They they backport security issues so that companies can uh, you know use their use Zulu to be to be more secure. So it's very interesting what they do. So for me, it's like uh, the uh, Fuji is more like community around OpenJDK, where they write about new features of uh, the upcoming JDKs because we are more frequent releases. So what I could expect as a developer, subscribe to Fuji News, and I will see, you know, uh, uh, JDK 16 comes with this JEPs and these features, right? Exactly. Yeah, Fuji is intended to be company neutral. It's intended to be for all Java JDK developers um nothing it's like it's a little bit you know it's 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 intended to um talk about all jdk de uh developer companies not it, it's not it, there's not supposed to be yeah, any marketing yeah open, open jdk and, and this is actually yes. a great news because there is nothing like this so there's adopt uh, jdks which is more or less a project which makes uh, open jdks more accessible but there is not like a portal which talks specifically about the JEPs. And uh, what I do is I usually go, you know, to the OpenJDK website to see what's new and I, and I search for the JEPs, but such a portal makes absolute sense. I don't know whether you remember, at one point of time, there were javablocks.com. You remember that? Yeah. Javablocks, yeah. this was like an aggregator of all Javablocks and they were shut down. I think it belonged to Bitbucket or some company uh, and they shut it down. One um, And um, which was a pity because it was also a no... Uh, a nice way to start a day, just look what's new in the Java ecosystem. Yeah, well, what, I mean, the point of Fuji is, is really all the information, say, a year ago about Java and the JDK is scattered all over the internet. So the mm -hmm. point of Fuji is to bring, bring one place where you can go to to see what's going on mm -hmm. uh, with Java and the JDK. And that, you become a, the editor again, so you will contribute content, or, or will you be the moderator? Or what's the the idea behind? Um, well, 
what I am going to be doing is contributing some blogs. Your John is sort of the moderator, and um, but it gives me a good way to follow what's going on, yep. you know, way than, than having to go to eighteen different sites, you yep. know. So that's what oh, it's about bringing all this, all the important information into one place. Yeah, and Heritian uh, is a great guy. So I know Heritian for years. I'm, I'm not sure whether I think longer than you. I I don't know, but Heritian uh, Vilenga is his last name, and he's the guy behind NetBeans. Actually, he was you know the great believer and uh, and how to call it, uh, technical writer for NetBeans, and he was really passionate about that. So I would say if you know if Heritian becomes as passionate for Fuji then as it was for NetBeans or still is, it is actually great news. So we get uh, just another developer portal which. Just know, provides me condensed news around Java, right? Yes, yeah. Actually, um, the latest book about NetBeans, I was technical editor of that ah. um, book. So, and 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 it could be that me being technical editor of that book, which your John con contributed to, might have been why he, when Fuji was invented, he contacted me and said, "Would you like to be involved with this?" And I said, "Yeah, I'd love to be involved with it." Cool. So I will have to invite Hetian uh, as well and uh, talk a little bit specifically about Fuji and probably even know about you know the newest development in 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 Java or OpenJDK. So just to pick up, you know, because it happens a lot right now. It's like a renaissance in Java, right? So we get uh, faster and faster releases and more and more features. Actually, yeah. I mean, I think it's really good that they're doing these scheduled six month releases, but people have to know what's in it. Yeah. So that's Fuji comes becomes important. Perfect. So, where people can find you? Do you have, you know, what's the name of the company? Lura Technical Systems, right? Is the URI. That is my company. Yeah, your company. Invent doesn't matter. This is, uh, what's, what's, uh, what's the URI of your company? That, it, yeah, Lyra Technical Systems. It was invented because I liked the constellation Lyra in the sky at night. <laughs> ah, okay. Th okay, interesting. And uh, so do you have a Twitter handle? Of course you have. Kevin underscore Farnham, I believe. I will check it. Uh, Kevin Farnham on Twitter. I'm checking right now. Not that we know. Kevin uh, underscore. Uh, I see a very young Kevin, I would say. Uh, but uh, Kevin, <laughs> wait a second. Uh, Twitter. And do you have a blog, personal blog? No, I don't think you are writing. Uh, no, not right now. Kevin underscore Farnham. Uh, yeah, Kevin underscore Fanham at uh, Twitter yeah. joined in 2009. Not bad. And CT, you're still yeah. in Connecticut. So CT is Connecticut, right? Yeah. C okay. Well, Connecticut is the state. And we're in a rural area. There aren't many rural areas in Northeast US, but we're in one of them. Okay. We have cows surrounding us and making making the air sometimes smell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, so okay, so you found it. Um yeah. so. and the Fuji? No, it's uh just take a look. The Fuji.io is the page. And yes. uh there's already uh just go there and there's already some content from uh use query parameterization to prevent injection and another one time series analysis with software AKG. Oh, I know the guy, Johannes Weigand. Johannes Weigand. And uh yeah, and there's Java version Armanac, so there are all Java versions, Java 16. I just click on Java 16. And I see Distro, Zulu, JDK, Java.net. Interesting. 
So it's literally like a portal to um, to Java information, and it looks nice, and you can subscribe to RSS, RSS feed right away. So thank you. So what I would say, and there's even a Raspberry Pi um, embedded uh, in, in information. So um, so it was really yeah. nice. And what I really enjoyed the conversation with you is you know, the mapping of math to code. So this is a, a great thing, so, you know, the conversation, how you did it and how it works. And of course, I'm really looking forward now about tons of content from you contributing to Fuji. Well, that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> So um perfect. Thank you. And I will reinvite you back, you know, next year and we can talk about the recent uh Jeps and Java development if you like. Yeah, very nice talking to you again. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye.